0: Good evening everybody. Good evening. It's great to be with you. This is a wonderful group of people to be in Bible class. It's an honor to be back with you again. I know you enjoyed your life groups. We had wonderful uh, attendance and interaction in this in this past season of life groups and so we're grateful for all of them. We welcome all of you new people to uh a Bible class and um, I'm going to do something for the next six weeks that I've been wanting to do for a long long time and um, I'm going to teach you a series of lessons that are going to be called the gospel according to Moses the gospel according to Moses and um, so very very grateful somewhere in this room to have my baby doll where is she at? Is she here? She stepped out well, I was going to say something. Ah, there she is. I was going to say something really nice about you. The rabbis, the rabbis taught that the diamond was the last and greatest uh, creation of God in the mineral kingdom, just as woman was the last and the greatest creation of God in the animal kingdom. So. Uh, I am very grateful to have one of the last and greatest creations of God. And uh, all of you men that are married, the Bible said if you find a wife, you find something really, really, really good. So uh, I did, and I trust you did as well. It goes without saying that the New Testament church, you know... I don't know, years and years ago, I read it where someone said, I'm going to, I'm just going to use the King James Bible because that's the one that Jesus used. And uh, it goes without saying that uh, the New Testament church and its writers were totally dependent upon the Old Testament law and uh, to prove their position. or I shouldn't say law, just Old Testament and uh, years ago, um, my my best recollection, I was 17, and I stumbled on uh, uh, a little pamphlet that my dad called had called "The Victim of the Flaming Sword," which was written by um, a man named G.T. Haywood. Uh, Haywood, as far as I'm concerned if not the most influential, one of the top three most influential um, men in the 20th century. He pastored in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana at that time. Indianapolis, it appears, was the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan. And even though uh, (coughs) it was the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan, um, Haywood's Church, which uh, probably... uh, Numbered somewhere around fourteen to 1,500 people. Uh, was 40% white. And uh, my wife's grandfather went to that church. A lot of amazing people came out of that. Um, <clears throat> Haywood was the guy that I guess set my sail in the right direction. Because he kept constantly referring to Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. I am God and there is none else. I am God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. And so, <clears throat> Haywood's concept uh, appealed to me. If you want to understand the end, you have to be a student of the beginning. And uh, there is a discipline in Bible study known as uh, hermeneutics. Um I, I don't want to get into all the Roman mythology and Hermes, Arme, whatever you want to call them. But uh, um, hermeneutics is basically interpreting Scripture, and uh, so the writers of the New Testament were constantly in uh, practicing hermeneutics as they interpreted the Old Testament. And uh, <clears throat> if I if I could if there was one Place in the Bible, and there are many, but if there, to me, if there is, if I could have a recording of one conversation in the Bible, it would be Jesus talking to the two men who were on their way back to a place known as Emmaus after his resurrection. They were a duet, they became a trio, they had no idea who he was. And it says in Luke 24 and verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Boy, would I love to have a recording of Jesus going through the whole Old Testament and saying, this was me, that was me, this is me, that was me. Um, Truth is, we have those verses. And um, um, the old covenant always had Messiah in view. And uh, there are 40 people in the Bible known as prophets. And um, I will side with Peter when uh, he was speaking to Cornelius and his household in Acts 10.43. It says, to him, Give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should receive remission of sins. All the prophets. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I don't have enough time, of course, to exhaust it. <clears throat> but I'm going to try and hit as many of these sources and prophets as I possibly can. I want you to get a greater appreciation for the Old Testament. I want you to understand that. <clears throat> that what we're doing now has got a lot of foundation. And we're on very sure ground. And um, um, <clears throat> because as as the word went on to validate, you know, Peter's message in 43, he said, To him, give all the prophets witness that whoever believeth in him should receive remission of sins. The very next verse says, And while Peter yet spake these words, Holy Ghost fell. The Holy, yep. The out- the Holy Ghost was poured out in response to Peter saying, This is something that all the prophets have talked about. And Peter, of course, chosen by Jesus to be the spokesman on the day of Pentecost, used, if you study Acts 2, there's a whole lot more in Acts 2 than just verse 38. And it's filled with quotes from the Old Testament. And just as the Holy Ghost, Fell on Cornelius' house in Acts 10. The Holy Ghost fell. After Peter very skillfully used these Old Testament verses in Acts chapter 2. And the early church read the Old Testament with the understanding that that belongs to me. That belongs to the church. And as a result, this is what's important, as a result, they had an intimate walk. With Jesus Christ. Because of their understanding of the Old Testament. Peter one time said. I want you to grow in grace. And I want you to grow in the knowledge. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And there there are lots of ways to grow in knowledge. But one of them. Has to be a better understanding of the Hebrew scripture. And uh, Mark. Remembers things. Same way that Matthew did. This is. This is the last chapter of the book of Matthew. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. It is my personal opinion that this verse Matthew 28 19. is, Is the most maligned. Most misinterpreted. This verse has been used to do more damage to the message of the gospel than any verse that I can think of. And uh, because this is Bible class, and uh, we have new converts and new members, let me explain it to you again. Here's 28:19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is the simple question you have to ask: Who? was Jesus talking to in Matthew twenty eight nineteen? And the answer is right there. It's in verse sixteen. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, place where Jesus appointed them, and he started teaching them. Okay, so now you go to Acts chapter one. And in Acts chapter one and verse thirteen, it said, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode Peter, one James 2, John 3, Andrew 4, Philip 5, Thomas 6, Bartholomew 7, Matthew 8, James the son of Alphaeus 9, Simon Zelotes 10, and Judas the brother of James 11. So the question is, are those the 11 disciples of Jesus? Of course they are. Those are the same eleven that he taught in Matthew twenty-eight and nineteen. And what did Peter say later on in Acts two thirty-eight? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's not what he said. He said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there are people people that say that's semantics. People say that's that's tradition. People say that doesn't matter. The Bible said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. I've taught you more times than I, I have no idea how many times I've taught you this. Ephesians 4 says there's one spirit. John 4 said God is that one Supreme Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says now the Lord is that same Spirit. Saul of Tarsus asked in Acts 9, who are you Lord? The answer is not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The answer is I am Jesus. Jesus is the saving name of our God. All right? And, and, And all four of the Gospels, the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all remembered the same thing. <clears throat> uh, here's this, I just read. This is the last chapter. This is the last thing that Matthew wrote. You know, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That's Matthew 28:19. So let's go to the last chapter of the book of Mark. And in Mark 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Cast out devils, speak with new tongues, on and on. So what did what's the last thing Matthew remember Jesus talking about? Baptism in the name. What's the last thing Mark remembers him talking about? Baptism in the name. Let's, let, let, me, let me ask you a question. According to Acts 238, why do you get baptized? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is in the verse. And be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of sins, okay? So it's synonymous. Water baptism in the name of Jesus is where our sins are remitted, okay? So use that little bit of information and apply it to the end of Luke's book. Here's the last chapter of the book of Luke and verse number 47. And that repentance and remission of sins Which can only happen because of baptism. Should be preached in his name. Among all nations. But I want you to start doing that at Jerusalem. Okay. So I realize John has 21 chapters. But let me go to the last verse of chapter 20. Right before the last chapter. Because in John 20 and verse 31. This is the last thing that John said. <clears throat> but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that might, and believing you might have life through his name. So to me, there's a common thing. What's the last thing Matthew remembered him talking about? The name. Mark, the name. Luke, the name. John, the name. So let me go back to Mark chapter 16 and, and read. Here's 16 and 14. This is Jesus resurrected... Joining up with these two depressed guys that are going it said it's about seven or eight miles. They're going back home. They they were convinced they were getting on the ground floor. Jesus was going to throw out all the Romans, gonna build this massive company, and they were gonna get the, the, the corner offices with the plant and uh, and the good view and get on the top of this of the you know the superstructure. They they, they were these they, they knew. They had joined, got in early, and therefore they were going to get the best jobs. Well, guess what? They just saw him die. And all of their hopes are dashed. They're on their way back home to Emmaus. Fortunately, they make the wonderful mistake of saying the name Jesus. (laughs) You know the Bible talks about don't use his name in vain. In vain. Why? Because when you use his name, he shows up you have any idea how many times today, how many times Jesus has showed up after somebody cussed? Well, why don't they say, oh, Satan, damn it. Huh? Why don't they say that? Why don't we say, oh, Lucifer. You know? It's just, how many times did Jesus show up today and... <clears throat> wasted trip. That's why... It, when you magnify him with faith, and he comes. See, I don't care if you say his name positively or negatively. He's going to show up. These guys are depressed. They have no faith, but they mentioned the name Jesus. Boom, he's there. So, just keep mentioning the name of Jesus, regardless of where you are emotionally, whatever. And and afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. You know, the, the woman, several people had seen the resurrected Jesus. They told her disciples, they don't believe. So he shows up to these 11. Go you into all the world. Does this sound familiar? Go you into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Wow, that's strong. And these signs shall follow them that believe. My name, they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink deadly thing. It won't hurt them. Lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. And um, uh, I I should have used these, these verses Sunday because Jesus was teaching That water baptism plays a part in salvation. Okay, so I've asked this question for years and years and years and years and years to a lot of people. What is, based on scripture, what is the gospel? Don't just tell me it's the good news. I understand the word gospel means good news. No, is there a place in the Bible that actually tells us what the gospel is? And the answer, of course, is Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Death, burial, resurrection. Not simply the fact that it occurred, but that we identify with his death through repentance. We identify with his burial through water baptism. Look at this verse in Romans 6 and 4. We are buried with Christ by baptism. Colossians 2 and 12 says the very same thing. We identify with His burial through water baptism in His name. We identify with His resurrection through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why in Romans chapter 8, I've, Matthew will find it. It's it, I don't know if it's 14, 16, It says, if the Spirit... That raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It's going to do to you what it did to him. He was a dead buried corpse. The spirit re-inhabited the dead buried corpse. And it came back to life. So what is biblical resurrection? The infilling of the spirit. Okay. So to people that say. You don't need to be baptized. He's still on the cross. And the people who say you don't need the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's still in the grave. It's a package deal. Death, burial, resurrection. And Jesus said this, he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. One scripture, Peter one time said, the like figure wherein baptism doth now also save us. I mean, when you, go back, when you go back to the book of Genesis, all the way to the beginning, there are three things there that weren't created. What were they? What was there before it at at the beginning of all of it? His spirit. Okay. Water. And underneath the water dirt. (laughs) Spirit. Water. Dirt. (laughs) Jesus told Nicodemus don't be amazed at what I'm telling you. You have to be born again of water and spirit. There's nowhere where it says, and God said, let there be water. Nowhere says, and let there be me. You know, it's just, we're the dirt. (laughs) And we need water and spirit to move on us. All right? It's just something powerful from the very beginning. And, And it's just, Jesus said, if you believe, you'll be baptized. And if you don't believe, <clears throat> because baptism follows believing faith. I mean, these are stout words. Without bif- baptism, you're damned. And so my question is, who did he teach this to? This, this Look what it says in verse 14. And afterward, he appeared unto the eleven, a- 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 as they set at meat, and upbraided them. And, and, it, and it, uh, where does it say, Matthew, where it says, uh, he appeared unto them in another form. That, that's Mark 16. I can't remember which verse it is. Matthew will find it. There it is, 12. He appeared in another form. <clears throat> this is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, because uh, Jesus is the greatest thespian the world has ever known. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to watch Superman. Superman would go into this phone booth, whew, come out with his red tights on and his blue cape, you know, or whatever. Uh, maybe I've got them backwards. I think it was a blue cape or it was a regular. <laughs> just, Just when you think, you know every disguise and every costume Jesus has in his closet, he has the ability like Superman to hop in this phone booth and pop out and you go, who's that? These, these guys, uh, uh, it's what interests me for our study, Mark 16, these two guys that are on their way back to Emmaus, there's just a couple verses in Mark 16, but there's a lot of verses in Luke 24. It's the same two guys. Listen, listen carefully. Think about our Bible class, the gospel according to Moses. Listen to what Jesus, because all of a sudden to do it becomes a trio and he goes, hey, why are you you so depressed? And they go, where have you been for the last three days? (laughs) Listen, Listen to Luke 24 and verse 25. And he said, oh, fools, And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Here's the message. You thick-headed, slow-hearted. Why can't you simply believe all that the prophets have said? If they had known what the prophets had said, they wouldn't have been so depressed. Wow, is that a great Bible study? Because I don't know about you, I fight despair in this culture right now. I really do. I think one of the answers is here. We need to study that old covenant because Jesus said, "If you'd have known what the prophets would have said, you wouldn't be depressed." <laughs> look, look. This is this is uh, where 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 is it? Um, it's it's in Luke twenty four. Um, Find it for me, Matthew, about this guy named Cleophas. One of, one of these two guys that, that's walking with him back to, I love you, man. you got the fastest fingers in Pentecost. And one of them, whose name is Cleophas, said, art thou only a stranger? It's just, well, where have you been for the last three days? Look at this guy, Cleophas. I, I can only find one other verse that, that, that even gets close to that. And it's in John 19 and verse 25. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary. So they got two Marys in this family. You don't believe that? Go into a a real traditional Italian home. Hello, this is my daughter, Maria. Hello, this is my daughter, Maria. Lots of Marys in Italian homes. This family's got at least two girls by the name of Mary. The mother of Jesus had a sister whose name was also, you ever heard of, uh, what's George Foreman? George Foreman's got, I think it's five boys. Huh? Is it five? Every one of them he called George. He said, I was so great, I wanna get my boy. So there's George the first, George the second, George the third. He's got five boys named George. What immense, what immense interests me is in 19 and25 it said, "And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas." and Mary Magdalene. There's three Mary's in the Bible. There's, of course Mary, the mother of Jesus, there's Mary Magdalene who used to be the prostitute. And there's Mary, the wife of Cleophas. You know what that means? It means Cleophas was Jesus's uncle. Don't tell me he didn't know what Jesus looked like. And yet, when Jesus comes up beside of him, he doesn't know who he is. Don't think that you've got him all figured out. I'm telling you, Jesus can appear in another form. He can show up in anxiety. He can show up in depression. He can show up in sorrow. There he is. And, and it's just so... so to fulfill Isaiah forty six nine and ten, I'm God. There's none else, you know. Declared the end from the beginning. What 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 does it say? What does it say? Jesus did to these guys? He said, and beginning at Moses, and and, and, and the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. <laughs> I, I read about a um, uh, second generation. A guy, I think his name was Mariah. He 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 was convinced there was two gods. There was a god that that the bad god of the Old Testament, who was just and mean, and there was the wonderful God uh, in Jesus Christ, God of mercy. So he totally rejected the Old Testament. I want nothing to do with the Old Testament because that's that's the god of judgment and damnation. The problem is when he got in the New Testament he rejected every book in the New Testament except the book of Luke and the writings of the Apostle Paul. Except when he got in Apostle Paul's writings when it was done he had hardly nothing left. Why? Because that God of the Old Testament is all through the book. (laughs) It's just Here's, here's Jesus, started at Moses, the first prophet, goes through Mo, Mo, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I, I, I did a series of Bible lessons sometime years ago called My Love Affair with Leviticus. I, and I got I got texts from all over the country in different places people go wow Leviticus is not a book that most people read it's some boring book but but if you really get into it it's powerful stuff that's Jesus in there that's Jesus in there and and and, 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 and so do, do do you remember search for truth somebody ever teach you a search for truth Bible study and they divided the Old Testament up you know old three, Testament 9 39 books in the Old Testament new three letters Testament 9 three times 9 27 39 books in the old 27 new 66 books and I said first you have the law and then what do you have the prophets So what comes after Deuteronomy Joshua and and, 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 and here's Jesus systematically going through the Old Testament when he's done this is my hope when we're done look at luke 24 and verse 32 and they said to one another man my heart was burning while he was going through that boring old testament but he showed me it was him it said he 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 opened he opened the scripture Watch, watch as Luke goes on and describes Jesus appearing. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That's 44. Look at the next verse. And then he opened up their understanding concerning the scripture. Damn, <laughs> He he did the same thing to his disciples that he did with those two travelers on the road to Emmaus. He, he, he had them understand the message of redemption is found in the Old Testament. Law, psalms, prophets. He didn't leave anything out. He told them,'t don't you don't you know that Old Testament said, I had to suffer." It said I would be betrayed. It said that I would be crucified. It said that they would part my garments and gamble for my stuff at the foot of my cross. It said, it told about the holes in my hands and my feet. Even the prayer that he prayed on the cross was all foretold years before Calvary. But but, but those verses also said he would resurrect the third day and their repentance And remission of sins would be preached in his name, beginning at Jerusalem. That's all Old Testament stuff. You say, why? I've heard people say every year, Jerusalem is the city of David. It doesn't say that in the Bible. I'll tell you what it does say. In 2 Samuel 5 and 7, it said, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. Same is the city of David. This is a fascinating study because, because Zion was, was not controlled by David's people. And so it was a fortress. It, it was an armory. It's where the weapons were. It was, it, was the, it was where all the money was. It was a walled fortress in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's got these hills. But one of these hills is a place called Zion. And on Zion was this kind of like what I talked about Sunday, a fortress, it had weapons, it had money, but it was protected with these massive walls. And they're saying, they, they were so arrogant that David would not be able to get there. The Bible said they put blind people on top of the walls to be the watchmen. So how did he win Zion? Does anybody know? What? The sewers. They swam through the sewers, and popped up on the other side of the wall. (laughs) It's a great message there. (laughs) Just, man, there's a lot of junk you're going to have to get through sometimes. Amen. To get the weapons and to get the currency that you really need. There's a price to be, you're going to smell every now and then. Okay? And, and 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 this is fascinating to me because Zion is the city of David. Remember, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, when you say Zion is in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem's not Zion. You understand? It's, it's like it's like we've got like ten acres here, but but the ten acres is not the church. The the building, the church building's on the property, but all the property isn't in the building. Zion was in Jerusalem. But, 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 so watch. Use that little understanding. Here, here, Isaiah 46, which I started with tonight. God declaring the end from the beginning. Just read a couple more verses. Here's 46 and 13. And I will place salvation in Zion. <laughs> Remember, Peter said all his holy prophets. So let me give you another prophet. Here's Acts chapter 2. All right? Well, let's, I'll just read. Here's Joel. Joel 2, verse 3. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. How about Zechariah? Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Thy king has come. He's just and he has salvation. What is that saying? It's saying salvation is going to happen in Jerusalem, that's why he said that repentance and remission of sins should preach among all nations. But I want it to begin in Jerusalem. Why? Because these prophets hundreds of years ago said that's where it's supposed to start. And I'm here to fulfill the scripture. So, so you know, here, here's Jesus saying, uh, "I got to go to Jerusalem." Tell you what, I want you fellows go down the road here and hang a left. Go, go a half a mile. You'll see an old mailbox. Turn in there, make another left. Two lefts, you got that, one, two. When you go down in, you're you're gonna see some animals tied up at a rail. There's gonna be a young donkey there that no one's ever sat on. I want the colt. I want the young, go get the young donkey and bring him to me. So of course they make the two lefts. They're untying this donkey. All of a sudden the bald dog starts screaming. scream door screeches, old dude comes out, you know puts his fingers in the hems of his bib overalls, said, hey, what y'all doing? And they said, the master needs this. Oh, why didn't you say so? Go ahead, fellas. This, this is one of the unnamed people that I'm convinced that sometime in the past, Jesus has done something for him or for his family. And that old farmer said, Fowler, if you ever need anything, just come by the house. Because he knew exactly who they were talking about. And they took that donkey and took it to Jesus. And and listen, this is Matthew twenty one and verse four. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, thy king cometh unto thee, meek sitting on a I'll say donkey, the colt, the fowl of a donkey. All right? This 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 is old old t- here's Acts two, day of Pentecost. Peter, you know, I mean I, 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 I've heard people talk about, well, uh, Holy Ghost was poured out in the upper room. No, 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 no. That's not Bible. It, it, it's just, it, it, there's, when you study Jerusalem, Jerusalem has tiny little streets, tiny little streets. There is no way that an upper room can hold 3,000 people. There's only one place in Jerusalem that had the ability to handle that kind of crowd. It's known as Solomon's porch. It's a big veranda on the outside of Herod's temple. When they excavated that area, it has se- I believe there are 7 of them around the perimeter. There's Mad um, there's, there's this is this is the temple proper, but there, it's much bigger than this. And it takes, it's like if you've ever heard of the Wailing Wall, well, this is the temple. No, that's not the temple. The Wailing Wall was a retaining wall that Herod put up and filled it with rubble. And he built, this. You, if you look in your Bible, there's something called the Court of the Gentiles, the Court of the Women, Solomon's Porch. The headquarters of the New Testament church was not the upper room. The headquarters of the New Testament church is a place called Solomon's Porch. Peter and John and obviously Luke going up to the temple to pray where the guy was healed. There's so many examples. I can't afford to get sidetracked with all this. But, 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 but what's so powerful, so powerful, that when they excavate this, they're, they're called mikvahs. They're baptismal fonts around Solomon's porch. Because he's got 3,000 people and they have to be baptized. You're not gonna do that in a bathtub that didn't exist in an upper room. And, and 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 watch. About 120 get the Holy Ghost. It's Pentecost. Just like we got Thanksgiving and Fourth of July, the Jews had seven feast days. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles. These people are in Jerusalem. For the fourth feast, we call it Pentecost. It's not in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament it's Feast of Weeks or the New Offering. Pentecost is a New Testament word. 50 days after first fruits. All of a sudden, these people. You ever heard that phrase, all roads lead to Rome? That's not entirely true. See, the Romans built roads all over their kingdom. They built roads so that... People could come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Didn't even know they were doing it. In my, I, 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 think, I don't know if it's in my office or out there in the hall. For, for years we supported a meeting in um, Ethiopia. And we have a picture. Uh, there there, was, uh, there were over 600,000 people there that day. And uh, had 100, 150,000 of them filled with the Holy Ghost. People said, oh, that's a myth. You just made that up. But I've I've seen these books. They're known as the books of life in Ethiopia. When you get the Holy Ghost in the Ethiopian church, they want to know what's your name, what's your mom's name, what's your mom's family's name, what's your dad's name, what's your dad. They write that all in that book. This isn't just conjecture. There's 150,000 people got the Holy Ghost. That's greater than anything in the Bible. How did they hear? See, a couple years before that meeting, the Pope went to Denver, Colorado and addressed a massive gathering of Catholic young men and women. They had this massive crowd of young people and they designed a sound system that was over $600,000. But they only used it once. (laughs) And so one of our guys got a hold of the diocese and said, what are you going to do with that sound system? He said, I don't know. We're never going to use it again. Tell you what, we'll give you 10000 bucks for it. And they said, fine, sold. The Catholic diocese thought they were building a sound system for the Pope. They ended up giving us a sound system that enabled with delay for 600,000 people in Ethiopia to hear the gospel message. It's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's fascinating stuff. And, 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 and so <laughs> these people have come to Jerusalem on Roman roads for this festival and all of a sudden they're going, hey, those guys never left Oakland County. How, how do they know my language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites. Dwellers of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus Phrygia, Pamphylia, regions roundabout about Sybia, Cyrene, on 16 different nations are mentioned there. There's all, these are all Jews and proselytes that have come to Jerusalem for the festival. Peter stood up and he said, listen to me, because some smart aleck, and there's always going to be one, they're drunk. And Peter stood up and said, you're right, they are. But they're not drunk like you think. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody gets loaded at 9 o'clock in the morning. Maybe 11 o'clock at night. But not 9 o'clock in the morning. What does Peter say in Acts 2 and verse 16? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. (laughs) 800 years before Pentecost, an Old Testament prophet... Moved on by the Holy Ghost said, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on everybody. The old people are gonna get it. The young people are gonna get it. The young men are gonna get it. The young women are gonna get it. The free people are gonna get it. Slaves are gonna get it. I'm gonna bypass all demographics and all barriers and all cultural hurdles. I'm gonna pour out my spirit. That's an Old Testament concept. When Peter is explaining to the crowd what's going on, He's referring to Joel chapter two. He, he is, he is let's, listen, he is fulfilling the teaching of Jesus and connecting these current events with Old Testament prophets showing <laughs> that remission of sins or baptism was going to be done in the name of Jesus just as Matthew, Mark, Luke and John remembered him telling them. And once they understood this, mean, <laughs> his disciples, his own uncle, didn't understand the significance of the Old Testament until Jesus explained it to them. He opened up their understanding. So look what happens as a result of that in Mark 16 and 20. I love this. They went everywhere. <laughs> and they're telling Jews, you know, them dusty old scriptures you people have been reading for years. It's talking about my Jesus. That, that's what, what? Yeah, that's what's it's going on. That explains Acts 17. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them and three days, three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you, that's Christ. You get Paul, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, you know, same guy, schooled, the Bible says in Acts 22 and verse 3, schooled at the feet of the greatest Bible teacher alive at that time, a guy named Gamaliel. But, but when Saul was converted, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, 17 and 18, he went away for three years in the wilderness. Just him. And that old covenant. Studying that. And it says after three years. He came back to Jerusalem. And spent two weeks with Peter. Submitting himself to that elder. And saying. This is what I was shown. While I was studying and praying and fasting. Am, am, am I right here? Is this kosher? And when and, and, and you know. There's four Herods in the Bible. Four. Okay. You, you have Herod Antipas. You have Herod the Great. You had Herod Agrippa the first. Herod Agrippa the second. Herod Antipas is the guy that cut off John the Baptist's head. Herod the Great is the guy who presided over the trial of Jesus. Herod Agrippa the first is the guy that killed James or John's brother James. Herod Agrippa II is the one that Paul talked to in Acts. Uh, I think it's 26, and he wanted a bribe. Now, think of these four hillbillies, okay? Think of these herons. They have access to John the Baptist, Jesus, James and John, and the Apostle Paul. And the best, the best we can get out of any of them is, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Wow, you talk about stupid hillbillies. Have the greatest preachers in the world preaching to them, and they get squaduche but what amazes me is in acts 26 paul is witnessing now this is amazing because he he's 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 i've always used the example of acts 17 in acts 17 he comes to this place called mars hill areopagus this place in in athens where it was in the center of town apparently and anybody that anybody that wanted to could stand and wait their turn in line and speak in front of these Elders and these wise guys. To me, I, 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 I may have it wrong, but it's like I, I see Paul saying, hot dog. All of my education is finally going to pay off. I remember doing all this science and all this math in school. And, and, and it's just years ago, of course. we don't. But I was balancing my checkbook. And it came to me. I'm never going to need calculus to ba- balance my checkbook. And it was like, all of that time that I spent was wasted. And then I realized, no, it wasn't. Because the disciplines that I established in study with that type of math and science paid great dividends when I started using that same discipline to study the Bible. And um, I see Paul going, hey, you guys stay back here. Just don't let them see you, okay? These are my kind of people. You're educated. You know, I got a THB. I got a I got a BA in this. I got a, you know, smart. And he gets in there and he says, let me talk to you about the unknown God. And the Bible said he talked about Stoics and Epicureans and, he, and, he, and he's quoting philosophy and, and all this stuff. And he gets done Totally convinced he's going to have an altar service. They're all going to get the Holy Ghost. And they go, hey, that was really nice. Next. Hey, preacher, if you ever come back in town, come back. Man, that was pretty nice. Bye. Next. That's Acts 17. Go to the very next verse, which is Acts 18 and verse 1. And then Paul came to Corinth. And when you read the Corinthian letter, this is what he said. I determined when I got to Corinth that my speech and my preaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom. Why? I just tried that in the last place. It didn't work. My preaching this time is going to be in the demonstration and the power and the Spirit. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. He he is in, what I'm trying to show you is he's in front of a king, but he's not going to show off. He already tried that. You know what he does? He reaches into his quiver and he pulls out the most powerful weapon he possesses, his personal testimony. Let me tell you what happened to me. And he gives his testimony to this king. And he said, watch, this is Acts 26 in verse number 6. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. In other words, he saying, I'm not telling you anything that Moses hasn't already said. He said he was going to come and suffer and rise the third day. Look, here's, here's 26 and 22. Having therefore obtained help of God... I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ would suffer, that he would be the first, that would rise from the dead and he would show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. In other words, he's saying, I'm not preaching anything new. I'm just repeating what those Old Testament prophets have been saying for a long time. Here's 28. This is the last chapter of Acts. I'm almost done. It came to pass after three days, Paul called the chief. He's he's leaving. He's on his way to Rome. And he said, and and when they were come together, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. He, He said in verse 20, he said, I am bound I am bound with this chain. Why? Because I've been preaching the hope of Israel. This this, this always intrigued me. Watch. Here's Acts 9. This is Saul and his conversion. He's blind. And the Lord speaks to this old preacher named Ananias and said, I want you to go down there to a street called Street. And I, I want you to find Paul. And Ananias goes, no, 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 man. That's the guy that's been wreaking havoc in the church. And I like this, said, he's praying now. He's praying now. Watch Acts 9 and 15. Go thy way, for he is a chosen just vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children. For watch, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. In other words, going into it, he knew this is going to be a bumpy ride. You can leave now, boy, if you want to, but if you're going to stay, let me show you what the Lord told me you're going to have to put up with. So now he's telling me, speed last chapter, of the book of Acts. You know why I'm bound? Because I've been preaching the hope of it. I'm going to Rome. I'm going to Rome. And 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 look, here's the next next book. Romans chapter 1 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated under the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures <laughs> So here's Romans 3. I, I, I've always been fascinated with Romans. I, I tried several years ago to go through it verse by verse by verse. But I, I, I still don't have complete mastery of the book of Romans. But but in chapter 3 it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all And all them that believe. There is no difference. Ah, It's just, watch how the book ends. Here's Romans 16. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. It's it's just it goes on and on. Here's here's Corinthians, this is the next book, Corinthians 2. He talks about we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden, the hidden wisdom of God, which none of the princes of this world knew. Satan is known as the prince of the power of the air. What does it say? This is not talking about Herod and, 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 and No, 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 no. This is not talking about Pilate. this, this the, I, I've told you for years, Satan can't read your mind. He can hear what you say, he can watch what you do, but he can't read your mind. Why? If he would have known who Jesus was, he'd have never crucified the Lord of glory. It's like, at the very least, let him lay on the ground. But whatever you do, man, don't you lift him up. Because if you lift him up, (laughs) go, go ahead, go ahead and... Go ahead and put them nails in him. Go ahead, stick that spear. I'm telling you, when that happens and he said it's finished, he's, he's alpha and omega. Yes, one thing's done, but something new just started. The clock started ticking. You got three days, Flash. I'm coming out of here. It's, 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 it's a powerful, powerful concept. Because what he's saying, here's Romans 16. He talks about this, 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 hidden, this hidden mystery. Which, which it's been there from the beginning, but nobody could see it. And then you get into Corinthians first chapter 2 and verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Watch the next verse. You ever heard this? Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. People say, oh, you can't see that. You'll never understand that. No, 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 you can. Because it said it searches the deep things of God. What was the deep thing? What is it talking about? That the Gentiles are going to be welcomed into the same church as the Jews. That's been the mystery since the beginning. But Paul understood it and started preaching it. Maybe next week we'll do it. But the Bible said that Paul withstood Peter to the face. He came out of the wilderness after three years of fasting and praying and study, bounced his concepts off of Peter. Peter said, yeah, that'd be great, but it wasn't great. See, don't you get it? When Peter said, for the promises unto you and unto your children and all that are far off, his mental model and concept of everybody was Jews. Because everybody else was a dog. But in, in Acts 10, he took six guys with him as a posse into Cornelius' house. Why? He knew. You get into chapter 11, he's in trouble, man. Those guys would say, what are you doing in a dog's house? He said, hey, don't you remember? We believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he filled us with his spirit. They believed on him. They purified their heart by faith. No, they they weren't baptized yet, but they did purify their heart, but they repented. He filled them with his spirit, took away any, any possible argument that I could say, I had to baptize. He gave them the like same precious gift as we who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You, what's, what's the first fight in the New Testament church? It's Acts 19. Church is growing and growing and growing. And all of a sudden there's all these Gentiles in Jewish parking spaces. Gentiles sitting in Jewish pews with a little plaque, my family bought this. All right? And that's what happens. And all of a sudden they go, hey, okay, we'll let you in church, but you got to get circumcised. I'm 65 years old. That's a deal breaker for me. I'm not joining your church if I got to do that. What, what is, They're adding all this stuff. And, and, and James, the half-brother of Jesus said, Simon had declared how God had diverse. Simon was the guy that went to, 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 to Cornelius's house. And Simon was taking, he said, I guess I'm the culprit. I'm the guy that did all this. And James said, no, let's read Acts 19. All oh, the prophet said that he was going to pour out his spirit. And upon the Gentiles, upon whom my name is called, FF F. Bruce who's considered the most the greatest bible scholar alive today says upon whose name is called over in baptism it is this is this is this here's these are some of my favorite scriptures moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also you received wherein you stand by which you're saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain, for I, watch, for I, del- watch first, I delivered first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to scripture and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to scriptures. Did you catch what I just said? According to the scriptures? What scriptures? The Old Testament Scriptures. When you read the second letter of Corinthians, he is saying, I'm going to give you the good news. The good news is, since Jesus died for our sins, if you're willing to believe on him, then we no longer have a sin problem. And that's why in the second letter, Paul wrote that if you read the Scriptures and keep rejecting Jesus... Your mind is blinded. Watch what he said to Galatia. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Read Galatians and watch Paul teach that the Old Testament preaches the gospel to Abraham. I don't have time to go into all that. That bread and wine and everything that happened with with, with Melchizedek. And when Gentiles received the promise of the Spirit through faith, they're included right along with the Jews. That's why. Watch. I'm almost done. But Scripture hath concluded all are under sin. And the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Anybody. Have you ever heard about the fivefold ministry? Is any, anybody here? It's, I'm almost done. What's the fivefold ministry? After huh? After after Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, right? This is 4 and 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and prophets. What do you say? This is Psalm 68 and verse 18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts For men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord might dwell among them. (laughs) What is he saying? You know how I know about the fivefold ministry? Because of the Old Testament. Because of what David said. Here's Colossians. Which are a shadow. He's talking about Old Testament scriptures. 2 and 17. Which are a shadow of things to come. I'm done. Here's my last verse. He's writing to this young protege, Timothy. And this is what he said in 2 Timothy 3 and 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. What's the next verse? Because all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And all of it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction. All of it. And there is, a, there is a, a, a lie afoot in what I guess you would call evangelical Christianity. The Old Testament is not culturally relevant for us today. Let me tell you what the Bible says. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Let me tell you what he told Timothy. This is the last thing he said before he died. All scripture is profitable, son. All of it. I, I, I read it years ago. I've told you some time in the past. Doctrine, reproof, correction. Doctrine is what's right. Reproof is what's not right. Correction is how to get right. Instruction is how to stay right. <laughs> I always like that. Stand with me. I want you to, I'm trying. I I, I know I'm wading through a lot of Bible here right now. I, I just, I want you to have a fresh appreciation that what we're doing didn't just start in Acts chapter two. This thing's got all kinds of foundational. Ladies and gentlemen, we baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're right. right. I remember the first time I ever saw a deaf man filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. I'll never forget it. Just as clear as could be that light. And I went, oh, we're right. I've been preaching it by faith for years. But when I saw a deaf man receive the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues, just something My father in law had a friend named Hudson. Hudson was a wealthy man. He owned a string of jewelry stores in St. Louis. And my father in law at that time was all all over Asia, spent a lot of time in India. He was in the the Northeast Hills. You can't even get into the Northeast Hills now of of India because of all the radical Islam and all that kind of stuff. But, But Hudson took 12, had Seiko, gold Seiko watches. And he had 12 of them, and he took them with my father-in-law and gave one of those expensive watches to the 12 elders of the church in India. Well, they were in this tent, my father-in-law. Yes, my father-in-law was, didn't like foolishness, and, 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 and he, he wanted things done decent and in order. And he, 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 he was very, very rigid on some things. And and he told me they were up in that mountain and they had this tent and they let the sides down. That cold wind was blowing underneath. There was about 3,000 people there in that tent. And and they took up a missions offering. (laughs) Well, the people didn't have money. So they took up the offering in a sheet because people would bring stuff, put it in a sheet. They'd sell it and whatever they could get out of it, that's what they were giving for their missions offering. So, guess what ended up in the sheet? All 12 of them watches. My father-in-law said, Harold, when I saw them watches in that sheet, he said, the presence of God came into that room. You understand, this is a man that doesn't tolerate. He said, I saw 3,000 people sing in a language that they didn't know, and they all sung the same thing it was like they were all in one choir and he said as they sang people started coming to the altar and he said i'm praying for this little girl just a young teenage girl and she's got her hands raised and she said i worship you lord jesus you're the god of the whole earth i magnify you lord jesus you have created the earth and the heavens alone he said oh she's praying good i'll go pray for somebody else and he went to pray on the other side and the mission director, a man named Harry Sism, who had been raised in India, but now he's our international. He said, oh, Brother Cook, you must come and listen. And he said, when Harry Sism grabbed my hand, he said, I knew I knew where we were going. He said, I went. He said, for an hour, I stood in front of a little girl with no accent in perfect English saying, I worship you, Lord Jesus. And he said, that was the day, Harold, I knew we're right. We're right. We're right. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these magnificent brothers and sisters who have come here tonight, not just for fellowship, not simply out of duty and duress, but have come here out of a hunger to learn more of your precious word. Father, you said thy word, and I in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Jesus, I've known a lot of people with a head full of Bible, but a heart full of sin. I want that word to somehow sink down from my brain into my spirit. I want this thing, God, to affect our vocabulary, affect our actions, affect our lifestyle. I'm asking you, Lord, for a Bible church, but more than just a word church. We want to see your glory. We want to see your glory. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people who have showed up here tonight I ask you, God, right now to touch Ann Curtis. I ask you, Lord, to heal her body completely. I ask you, God, to allow Ann and Mark to be back among us because they want so desperately to be with us. I pray for Mindy Adams right now. I'm asking you, God, to totally restore her and bring her back to church where she wants to be. I trust you, God, right now. I pray for Sean Knotts' wife, Laren. I'm believing you, God, to touch Laren. I'm believing you, God, to touch my brother, Brother Mitchell, right now. There are so, dear Jesus, I don't want to just be a Bible preacher. I want to see a display and a manifestation of your glory. So guide us and guard us. Go with us. Give these precious people a night of rest because we make a covenant right now for tomorrow. We're going to wake up and we're going to serve you and we're going to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here.